Welcome to Dollar Theater. This is the podcast where we review movies that we love, some of which are critically acclaimed and some maybe not so much. I think we are covering one that is widely critically acclaimed tonight. It is a 7.1 on IMDb and 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, $9 million budget, and it made $48 million back. We are three quarters of the way now through spooky season and looking forward to covering this one tonight. Joining me, returning for the first time since we covered Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a couple months ago, Troy D'Angelo and first time guest, Gus Stewart. Gentlemen, what's going on? How's it going? Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's get into it. Midsummer 2019. I think this might be one of those movies that benefited me the most from a rewatch because when I saw this in theaters, I saw it the day it came out. I think it was the the day before the 4th of July, 2019. Uh, I remember all the hype around this movie. It was Ari Aster's follow-up to hereditary, which was another banger. And I left the theater feeling like this was a very good movie, but I didn't really have any like super strong feelings about it. But Watching it, it re- I hadn't rewatched it since, and rewatching it for the first time in about three years, I liked this movie before, but now I absolutely love this movie. It's just an all timer for me. I watched it twice this week, and it just gets better each time. Uh, it's brutal, but not brutal in a way like a Saw movie or Hostile is brutal, um, where those kind of are just intended to gross you out. Uh, There are definitely some tough scenes in this, but I think all of the violence in this movie is essential to the story. I like, and these are some things I picked up on a rewatch. I like a lot of the subtle touches Aster throws in there in terms of his foreshadowing. Like for instance, in the opening scene where we see Danny's parents, they have a picture of her on their nightstand and there's the flowers uh, on top of her photo, which is going to be something, obviously a pivotal part of the movie. Um, And there were certain scenes where everybody's talking in Swedish and there's no subtitles. And Aster was doing that to make you kind of feel like uncomfortable as the characters are not understanding what's going on. Uh, I thought that was a great move as well. Florence Pugh in this, possibly my, my favorite performance of hers. She's just a shell of a human being throughout this whole movie. And understandably so when we talk about what happened to her and everything, Jack Rayner as Christian, just, all-time movie dickhead i just his performance was great and that's a credit to him as an actor that i just hated him so much and i enjoyed seeing what happened to him happens to him at the end of this movie and especially the way he treats danny the way he steals josh's thesis idea this guy's just just not a monster but just a prick and we're definitely going to talk about him a little bit more um so yeah this movie rules I i love it glad to be talking about it with both of you troy why do you love this movie uh, well, so for me, it was coming off the high of uh, Hereditary, which I fucking love. Um, I think Hereditary is like one of the scariest movies. I don't know. I, I love it. But uh, Midsummer is uh, it's kind of like the lighthouses to the witch, too, where it's like it, it does a whole lot. And it, it there's definitely so much that I still don't understand. And I'll watch videos or read and it, it's just drenched with details. Um so definitely something that you can, even though it's miserable, uh, it, it, you do kind of want to rewatch it just to kind of get more out of it. Uh, and you can, I, this I think was my third time watching it. I had seen it in theaters. Then I did the director's cut, uh, which I think is about 30 minutes of extra footage. And then I watched, I just watched the theatrical cut again, just to kind of go back and see, you know, again, just like look for those differences. 
Um, and every time I go through, I notice something different, which I think is so cool that there's just so much you can kind of chew on. Like you mentioned uh, in, in the parents' bedroom, the, the flowers, Danny's portrait. Yeah. Uh, again, it took me to the third watch to even notice that. And I, I saw that. And I was like, oh, my God, it's amazing. I go online. And it's like one of the first pieces of trivia where, you know, people have known about it forever. So, but uh, I don't know. It's great. It's uh, it's, you know, it's a it's an interesting take on like a horror film where it's all happening in broad daylight. Uh, like you said, it's brutal. And I kind of love that type of stuff. And it just it does a lot of things really well. And it's uh, super creepy. I love it. And the, the tapestry at the beginning of the movie, the opening scene, it basically tells the whole movie, like the first panel yeah. all the way to the left is like a girl with the tube in her mouth, like the way Danny's sister kills kills herself with the carbon monoxide. So yep. that kind of just tells the whole movie r- right in the beginning. So that was an Easter egg I didn't pick up till the third time. I'm sure if I watched this a fourth time, I would still pick up some more shit. Yeah. Um, Gus, why do you love this movie? I mean, if you like pagan folk horror movies, this is for <laughs> Citizen Kane, you know? Like, I mean, it doesn't get better than this in that realm. But like, that being said, like, I don't think it's like esoteric where it's like, I don't, like I have to know about, you know, I have to know about paganism specifically paganism <laughs> to like enjoy it. Like I just think the character development and you guys touched on how much hidden symbolism it's so rewatchable. Like you rewatching and you notice things you never even caught. I think like a lot of it too is like just like going off topic is like I think he uses a lot of wide angle lenses and like you're just like you're what you're like like just in the field, you know, like you catch stuff in the background. It's just, there's just a lot going on and you have to watch this movie even more than like three times. So with that being said, like, it's just, I like movies that are rewatchable. Um, it's cathartic. Like it's like that album you put on where you just cry to and jam out in the car. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, Oh, I hate this, but I need this. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like there's, there's the so best much going time. on. Yeah, it's it, there's so much going on it. Um, and this is why I always say this, and people think I'm crazy, but besides Sixth Sense, I think a horror movie has to be rated R. And I've been on that hill for so long. People are like, <laughs> "Oh no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't." But I think every horror movie needs to be rated R because there needs to be a fear of like, what is the director or writer going to show? What is the actor going to perform that you may or may not want to see? There has to be that fear. I think. And I think if it's PG-13, uh, I think that limits that. And in this case, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Just just know that, like, I think that's part of it is, like, you're going you know, <laughs> to, you know I mean, just to not get into too much. We'll get into it later. But, like, yeah, <laughs> there's some stuff that, like, is puts, like, oh, I don't know. Puts See, one, one might say it's mind- a shame, yeah. <laughs> one we'll might say it's uh, mind-blowing. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I would. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned you mentioned the actor. So let's talk about the actor of this movie, uh, Florence Pugh. I just she's just on fire throughout this whole movie, and trauma she suffers, and just her reaction to it. I was actually like, for lack of a better term, I was actually like moved. Just like the opening scene where she's just wailing for, like, the whole like the first fifteen minutes of the movie are basically just her wailing, and a lesser actor that might not have worked, but she was just so good in this, you know, where, where her sister kills herself and, and her parents in a, in a murder suicide. And, th- and that like juxtaposed with the mental torture she suffers in the beginning of this movie, throughout this movie at the hands of Christian, 
you can't really blame her by the end of this movie for essentially going mad. So 2019 was, I guess, kind of her breakout year. Uh, I had seen her a few months prior in the movie. I'm, I'm guessing maybe you guys hadn't seen this one, but Fighting With My Family. This was the, nope. uh, the, biograph- the, bi- the biographical movie of the WWE wrestler Paige, where she played the lead character. Uh, Vince Vaughn was in that movie, too. This was a few months before Midsummer. So that was my first, that was my intro to Pew. And at the end of the year, she would go on to be uh, one of the leads in Greta Gerwig's Little Women. And as we talk about her now, she's currently one of the biggest stars in the world. She's a huge part uh, the, she's of the plans of the plans for the MCU. She was recently in Don't Worry Darling, which was not a very good movie, but she was she was pretty good in it. Um, we don't have an abundance of actors right now who you can definitively say uh, – I don't think abundance of new actors who you can definitively say that's a movie star, but I think it's safe to say that about her. Troy, do you have any thoughts on her in this movie or in general? Uh, Yeah, she's fantastic. I mean, like just, yeah, like you said, that kind of the embodiment of someone who's just grieving and like constantly sad. like her, she has like a frown on her face. I think the entire movie until maybe the final shot of the film. Um, so yeah, just embodies that I think really, really well. I hadn't really seen her anything else, I don't think. Um, and I don't, I, I still really haven't seen her much because I, I didn't see like the Black Widow movie that she was in. Um, I know she's planned to be in like I think Dune Part Two and Oppenheimer, yep. but uh, yeah, she's definitely. I think after that role and how, I guess, kind of surprisingly, how big this movie got, and you know, you know, with social media and everything, kind of just spreads. But she was uh, she's definitely like the centerpiece of it and deservedly so. Yeah, the memes definitely helped this movie along. It, it, it's given it it's given it a, a continued life for the last three yeah. years, I think. Uh, Gus, any, any thoughts on Pew? Yeah, I, I think she's basically MVP of this movie. Um, it's hard to do a role and kind of keep one emotion throughout the whole movie, but she like just gradually ticks it up like a little bit each time. And it's like subtle changes and just little mannerism she does. I just think she does an awesome job. And yeah, I saw um, wrestling with my family and I actually was super surprised. I like that movie, to be honest with you. So that's another one she really shines in. Wasn't bad. Yeah, good film. Vince Vaughn, The Rock was in that one. Decent. All right. So the side cast in this movie, it's not a ton of household names. I'd say probably the most notable from everybody here is Will Poulter, who plays Mark. A lot of people probably recognize him from where the Millers. He was also really great in the show Dope Sick, which was a Hulu original. He was nominated for an Emmy in this. Uh, that was the show that which opposite Michael Keaton uh, tackled the opioid em- epidemic. Um, Jack Rayner is Christian. Just I, we mentioned him at the top, just all time dickhead character who you're definitely rooting for him to die, but not a stacked IMDb. I figured he'd be in a lot more things. He was in a movie uh, two years ago called Cherry, which was an Apple original opposite Tom Holland, who played a drug addict bank robber. Fun movie. I I recommend it if you hadn't seen it. Um, William Jackson Harper, who is Josh. uh, He was really great in this. He was in the show uh, Love Life. Season two, he was the lead. Season one had Anna Anna Kendrick as the lead. This had uh, him. And he was really great in that. And then you have a couple people, Allura Torsia, sorry if I mispronounced her name, and Archie uh, Matawecki. They play Connie and Simon, who I, you look at these people, and if you, you've ever seen a horror movie, you just point at them right away, and you're like, yeah, th- those two are definitely going to be the first to die. And so not the deepest supporting cast here. 
Uh, one might argue that the number three character in this movie behind Pew and Rainer is the festival itself. Troy, anyone from from the cast stand out for you, either that I mentioned or forgot to talk about? Uh, I think the only one I, like you said, that I think I recognize was Will Poulter. And I think he's great because he's kind of like very, uh, he's good as the, the kind of like the dickhead friend yeah. who doesn't really help the situation at all. Um, yeah, uh, Jack Rayner is Christian is just, like you said, he's just super naive and kind of doesn't do anything right and, you know, not really paying attention to what he needs to probably probably be doing. Um, but Will Poulter definitely is just kind of like pushing him in that wrong direction the whole movie. And, uh, to to you that know, like, fatal piss. Yeah, the fatal piss and, you know, making you forcing everybody to take mushrooms when they probably shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> you know, just a classic asshole friend. Uh, and like you said, uh, Connie and Simon, those characters are kind of just like thrown in the mix and you're just waiting for them to, to meet their end. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like, like you said, it's, it feels like all semi just breakout roles, which is kind of cool to see. Definitely. Uh, Gus, anyone from the supporting cast for you? I mean, yeah, I, I like Will Poulter. I like everything he's in. I don't I never saw a movie where I didn't thought, think he was, you know, funny. Um, but he is, he plays a character that he is the guy that pisses on ancestral tree. <laughs> like he's that guy. I mean, they give him a vape. Come on, like it's pretty. It's come like it's pretty cliche. So I'm not gonna go with him as a standout, even though he is totally enjoyable and he is the comic relief. I mean, uh, you know, skin the fool. I mean, they literally call him the fool. He is. I think that's done on purpose. He's kind of a cliche on purpose. But I think like the standout, honestly, is Wilhelm Blomgren, if I'm saying that right. I think Pele is like, I know you hate Christian, uh, Dave, but I think... I don't hate him. I love to hate him. Oh, you love to hate him. Okay. (laughs) But I think Pele plays a kind of... I'm not going to say kind of. I play. I think he plays a super creepy role. You know what he reminds me of? Pele um, is the one that brings them to um, the Midsummer Festival. Yep. Yep. And just to, to let you know. Um, and yeah, he reminds me of Alex in Hostel. Do you remember the guy that brings him up? And he's got like, I think he's got like bunk beds. And he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's the one that brings them to the, the hostel. He plays that type of character, but he play The reason why I'm giving him basically like a standout role is because he plays it in a much more subtle way kind of plays in a smooth guy way whereas alex alex is like thinks he says he's more blunt and it's like way creepy i i I know i'm comparing to like like european horror movies but i found that i I was thinking about that i said dude he's playing like alex and hostile but i think in a better way i like the um, comparison because even at the end of the movie where it's like revealed that Pele had to bring like X amount of friends from America to essentially be sacrificed. He still is smiling. You're still, he's not like, he doesn't have like a sinister look about him. He still like kind of looks the same as when he was showing Danny the picture that he drew over. It, like yeah. his demeanor never really changed. He just seems like a really good guy, even though he probably yeah. did the most evil thing a person can do to their friends. So, yeah. So th- to me, I think that's kind of a creepier thing when like, I don't know. I guess ignorance is bliss in the in the in the in regards to Christian, but Pele, I think he's a smart dude, and I think he kind of knows what he's doing, whether he's brainwashed by the paganism or whatnot. But uh, yeah, he's 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 a smooth criminal. Yeah, in a long time he went to college with these guys, so you got to figure like there's a backstory. <laughs> like they probably went to several parties together in school, so they they had like a long running friendship, and just the whole time in my back pocket. Oh, yeah, I'm planning to have you guys sacrificed. Too. Oh, yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to get you to my family's festival. Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh. All right, so I'm going to put you, 
I'm going to put you guys both on the spot now because I didn't really have an opening to do this in our last two shows where we covered Scream and Halloween, which were uh, two classics. But since we're covering a relatively new horror film from 2019, uh, this kind of gives me a good good opening to talk about the horror genre as we sit here today uh, in 2022. Because I would say outside of superhero movies, this seems to be the one genre of films that people consistently go to the theaters for. Um, I've seen all three of the latest Halloween trilogies in packed theaters every, every time. Troy, this year, uh, you and I, we've been to two thirds of the Ty West trilogy in theaters. We saw X and Maxi yep. or X and Pearl and yep. in packed theaters. I saw Smile a couple weeks ago, packed theater. So people are still showing up to these movies. Uh, same with Barbarian. That was another one nearly sold out. So I just want to like list off from 2019 to today, some of like the great additions I think that have hit this genre. And so I'm going to go now us ready or not the lighthouse. I think Gus, you mentioned that, uh, or Troy, you did Brightburn, relic lamb, black phone last night in Soho. Nope. Uh, the new scream was really good. Uh, speak no evil is one I haven't seen yet, but it's like on my priority list because uh, a lot of reviews say it's the most brutal film of this year. So that's something I, I need to get to as soon as I can. Um, Troy, you and I have had many conversations about this genre in general. Um, so do you have any thoughts on the state of horror at, at this time? Or are there any movies that stand out for you? Uh, well, it seems to be kind of like, like you said, the alternative for going to the theaters is, you know, multi-million dollar uh superhero movies right where horror kind of seems to keep that mid-budget or low-budget movie industry alive i guess with yeah. the exception of malignant the uh the james wan movie where it's just a you know multi-million dollar just insane horror film yeah. uh but yeah I, I think it's great and i love seeing because it's all it's a lot of unique takes um you know you've got ari aster doing his thing and uh who did the lighthouse? Why am I blanking on this? Robert Eggers. Yes, Robert Eggers. With yeah, like he, the Northman most recently, even like that, they're they're brutal and again just drenched in whatever you know he's he's whatever whatever setting he's using. Um, so I kind of love it, and it, 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 I think it's I think people are going because I mean horror is always just kind of great to see it with, with a crowd and with a bunch of people in a dark room. Um, but they're also kind of like unique and you don't feel like you're going to see the same thing. It's not just a typical rom-com or some, you know, family drama or something. It's you're going to kind of experience something and hopefully get scared, which a lot of movies are getting really, I think just a lot better at doing. Um, I love it. I think that the state of horror is fantastic and I hope it continues. Gus. Yeah. So a lot of the ones you mentioned, like you hear a lot of the pundits and everything say, um, you know, elevated horror, they're calling it. But to me, that kind of like drives me crazy because it's like, oh, wow, like putting um, <laughs> putting, you know, making horror a good movie is now a newfound idea. Like it's always been like, let's just make the worst thing possible and, you know, we'll get our money. But I think directors are kind of um, reinvigorating the genre because um, they probably grew up on obviously a lot of these movies and they kind of want to make it something new and fresh. And obviously there's a push for that. Um, all the, all the movies you, you guys mentioned, I, I really enjoy Robert Eggers is great. Um, Ari Oster. Um, yeah. I, I like how he does he, in interviews that I was uh, watching. He doesn't consider himself a horror movie director. And I kind of think that's, that's the way a director should be when making a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like 
try not to think use the past too much or else you just start recycling the old stuff and you know going over halloween we see this, this happen in horror they're recycling the same ideas just just re- re- rehashing the same old crap you know and and it, they kind of get stuck kind of like the marvel <laughs> franchise yeah. they get stuck in this this washing machine of garbage <laughs> for lack of a better word no i totally um, I, I got you yeah Okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, and then we will talk about our favorite scenes. We are back. Favorite scenes. So the opening scene of this movie, I just want to, I just want to tell a personal story really quick. Um, on my birthday, which, which is in August, I was texting my mother, and she was not answering me. So I, I texted her at like 8 o'clock, and she didn't respond to me. And it was like 9 o'clock, still nothing, like... 10 o'clock I call and I'm not getting an answer. I call my brother at 1030 and he's kind of like Christian. When he calls Danny, he's like very dismissive of me. He's like, she's probably sleeping. So um, I call her again, nothing. And I'm like, fuck this. I drive her house is like a half hour from me. I drive a half hour to her house and she was just sleeping. And she's like, oh yeah, I, I didn't get in from work till late. So that's the best case scenario of this situation. The worst case scenario is what happens to Danny in this opening scene. Um, she gets this email from her sister. I can't anymore. Everything's black. Mom and dad are coming to goodbye. And like, holy shit, <laughs> what an email to get. And she calls Christian, who's pretty dismissive of her. She says they, she does this all the time and you give in to her. Um, we see him with Mark, Josh and Pele. And they're, te- they're basically telling him to break up with her. And then she calls him back and she's just wailing. And we, they don't even need to say what happened. We know what happened. And then they just go through this eerie shot of this house, just the music playing. And they're just going through the house. They're going through the cars where we see the carbon monoxide, the tube going into the house, just the shot of the parents. It's not gory, but it's still terrifying the way they did it in the dark. And then just the final, the final shot of, Danny's sister with the tube in her mouth and then they pan up and the last thing we see in that scene is four new emails and those are the emails Danny sent to her just like what a way to get right into this movie Troy what would you think of the opener uh yeah it's it was incredibly shocking it was like you know to see I guess like suicide and, and I guess murder also like that bluntly and, and kind of realistically and horribly is it was I remember seeing it and just being fucking shocked i mean to, yeah you start the movie that way and and you know you're kind of getting into something crazy um and like you said that i think that the shot of of the hose going into her the her sister's mouth and the puke on her chest like everything is just so it's yeah it's not like the most violent or gruesome thing i've ever seen but it's definitely something that is burned into my memory and it's uh yeah it's a very memorable way to start a film it's one of the most i think memorable ways at least that i know of so yeah, Gus. Yeah, uh, I agree with you, Troy. That is not a typical uh, <laughs> Freddy Krueger death, <laughs> or a you know typical you know Friday the Thirteenth death. That's like a real life you know absolute <laughs> miserable uh, worst case scenario. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. And what uh, unfortunately creative way off <laughs> her fan. <laughs> In the first five minutes yeah I, I i agree it's kind of a, um it's definitely a unique way yeah definitely i was like looking we went with a bunch of people and i was just looking i was like looking at everyone's reaction i was like all right and then uh bobby <laughs> Krillick's uh 
banger of an intro song just happens and you're like oh my god get me out of this theater <laughs> yeah there's two more hours of this <laughs> yeah and we, we talked about this in the, in the opener but just Pew's performance through this just just like her her wailing I mean you could see an inferior actor just not pulling this off and having it be believable but she was just magnificent in the scene it just really good Troy what's the scene you like uh, so I actually I did have the opening listed, but uh, I guess the next one after that that I think really sticks out to me is uh, when they finally get to the festival. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like they're kind of like introduction to getting to the, the location and uh, they all decide to take mushrooms. Yeah. Uh, so that build up again, everything is kind of set up really well where it's, you know, Danny, you know, doesn't want to really start taking psychedelics in her state of mind just yet. But then you've got, you know, you've got a. Uh, what's his name mark who kind of like pressures them all to you know coming up at the same time so yeah. danny being the, the nice one tries to you know you know take it with everybody and then it's just this uh i think it's a very realistic uh take on psychedelics uh, it starts off kind of nice and everyone's a little bugging out but then uh immediately danny's, danny's thrown to this uh the bad state of mind and she goes running and sees her sister in the mirror when she's in the dark it's just uh i think it's an awesome scene another one that's just like just crazy cool details and we see the, the grass going through her hand. Yep. And then as she's walking around, you see the grass kind of like moving weirdly. And then she walks up to the group of people and she's like, they're laughing at me. And they're like, no, they've just been, they've been laughing the whole time. Yeah. Just wild scene there. Uh, Gus, what's the scene you like? I like um, the, not the bee scene when Nicholas Cage gets the beehive on it. Oh wait, <laughs> that's the wrong movie. <laughs> that's uh, the famous uh, looking at scene. Um, no, I, I like the maypole dance scene. If one sticks through, my, I mean, there's so like, this movie is just made up of memorable scenes. Yeah. I mean, like it's just a colo- a montage of um, memorable scenes. So, but if I had to pick one that I think was kind of important that I enjoyed the most was the uh, maypole dancing. Okay. Um, I just thought it was a cool um, way to give this character that's been depressed the whole movie, some type of empowerment, you know what I mean? Just to, to I just thought, I thought it was a creative way and they, they stuck with the traditions with it and actually when it was just this was solid writing well she um, she gets she's she's kind of like drugged again for that scene right like it's yep. it kind of implied yes. that she's on mushrooms or something again but yep. this time she actually kind of gets to enjoy it and she's you know happy at the end of it instead yeah exactly so yeah from the beginning in the movie it's kind of it shows the progression of her you know um, I guess for lack of a better word, just being, I guess, empowered and getting over this emotional moment. Yeah. And uh, rightfully so, who's watching on the sidelines but Christian. So I think it was a <laughs> metaphor. Um, and that was that was some good foreshadowing, too, because she's having like a really good time. And she looks over at Christian, who just looks at her like completely miserable, not not happy. Well, yeah. he's also tripping, but just kind of symbolic of their relationship. Like just like a little kid not picked for kickball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I totally see that. But like another one is like a, just a small one that I actually didn't remember the first time when it, this most recent rewatch. I was like, wow, that that's creepy. But like just the, the, the dream sequence where she wakes up and she thinks she's being left. Yeah. And just I think it's I, I believe it's Will Poulter. Um, Will Poulter, Mark in the back seat, and there's like, I don't know what Ari Aster, Aster does, but like, he does something to faces, like he distorts them. And the first time I remember seeing something like that was like the ring when they find the girl in the closet. He like distorts faces, and it's so creepy. And he does it when you kind of like least expect it, and it's very jolting. And you see him in the back seat, and his face is like in a very weird. It doesn't look 
in a natural position. And yeah, I, I, I had to rewind that. I was like, I didn't even notice that the first time. Yeah. He's just like smiling at her, right? Like just like yeah, evilly, from the back. smiling. Yeah, but like in a in a very I don't even know if I would consider it a human way. It's like sinister, it, yes. Yeah, it just gives you goosebumps if you really pay attention to it. But if you just don't, it's just like, oh, a car leaving. But if you look in the backseat, it's like, as we were talking before, like the little hidden eggs. Like, you, th- this movie is so rewatchable, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can watch it like six, seven times and you're still picking up shit. Yeah. Uh, the next scene I have is the, I might mispronounce this, so I apologize to the Swedish people, uh, at a, the Atastupa which uh, was where the, this is where kind of the festival, we know something, something's off with this festival. This is where the two old people jump off the cliff. And I, I love the way yes. they shot this. They had them at dinner. They, they alluded to it. I think Pele made a joke about what happens when you're 72 years old, when they're talking about the life cycles and he makes like a, a hand slit the throat motion as to say, it looked like something I, one of us might say to each other jokingly. But he was he was he said it with like a like a sly smile, but he was also very serious. <laughs> and so they're at the dinner. These two older people who I guess are 72 years old are at the head of this table. And, you know, someone's off right away with this dinner and you see the shots of them on top of this hill. And I love the overhead shots because we just see Connie and Simon, who we mentioned are, are going to be the two people who die very early. They're just flailing their arms like, no, no, don't 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 do it. And this is where we get the shot. They cut their hands then they rub them on the stones and the first woman jumps and she just dies right away. And she eventually like, like sprawls out. The second guy jumps and he does like a, like a pencil down and you're like, Oh, this is, this ends badly. And he, he just breaks his leg and he's screaming. And it's really creepy because everyone's just mimicking his screams until a group of people just comes down with a mallet and they just take turns. This was a very brutal scene in this movie, but it's, it, very pivotal. I, I, I enjoy this scene. Uh, Troy, what'd you, what'd you think of the Atastupa? Uh, yeah, it's another kind of like, it's, it, I don't know if it's the halfway point of the movie. It kind of feels like it is, or, or you know, it's leading up yeah. to it. But um, yeah, kind of like, it's another shocking scene. I think the first real shocking scene after the beginning, like the intro to the movie, where you just see death like really up close, and it's, it's even more brutal this time with a lot of blood and broken bones and everything. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting this just because you get to see how all the characters kind of react to it and Danny is immediately just you know put in a shock and uh, everybody else is kind of watching and then you've got uh, Connie and Simon who are freaking out and screaming I think as a normal person probably would yeah I think two people jump to their death um, all right yeah so it's 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 definitely a, a good scene and that's where it's yeah after that it's kind of like now you're really strapped in and now you want to see how the rest of the festival is gonna go Gus yeah, that was, uh, we had some people in the theater basically, like, walk out. You know? <laughs> I remember, yeah, that scene will do it for you. And this is what I mean about being rated R. I mean, obviously you can't do that in a PG-13, what no. unfolds in that movie. But I do like the scene. I think it brings up questions about, like, what's appropriate? Like, is there a general theme of what's appropriate in a religion or, in this case, cult, paganism? Um uh- yeah, I think I think it brings up questions because it's kind of like they kind of like gaslight. I'm like, oh no, this is what we do. This is <laughs> no, like you don't understand. We've been doing this for a while. Like this is oh, this is such a natural way to do it. A sledgehammer to the face. Such an honor. <laughs> We're gonna bowser you. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's but up we don't do this. Yeah, we, we, it, it, so it brings up 
very interesting questions because like you actually do see their side they kind of do like as the audience you're kind of like okay you know maybe maybe they are honest i mean maybe there is something more to this this is what they want oh okay but like yeah as the movie goes along you're kind you're not gonna um take their side you know all right another one i have here josh's death i was like this is this is a both a freaky scene and kind of a funny one because we see him, the guy told him, do not take any pictures. And then he sneaks out. We know when he goes to bed and he still has his New Balance sneakers on that he's going, he's up to no good. Um, so he's going to take a picture of these sacred texts. And as he's taking the pics, he sees what he thinks is Mark. And, and he's like, Mark, what are you doing? And as we zoom in on Mark, we all of a sudden see this person's not wearing any pants. So we just see <laughs> this, this person's dick. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. And then he's like, he's kind of like, Josh kind of gives the same look that I was giving in the theater when I saw this. And then we just see him get nailed with, with a mallet from behind. And we see the guy is wearing Mark's face because they were probably going to kill him anyway, but they wanted to probably kill him faster after he, he pissed on the ancestral tree. And it was, yeah, this was a tough death because as they drag him away, you see the blood kind of just rushing from his head and Josh is very much dead. And I think, yeah, the whole, the whole squad at this point is, is, dying fast um the last scene i have here is the ending did either of you have anything you want to touch on before we go there um i do have a note of this movie having possibly the most awkward sex scene group oh sex my god yes of all time <laughs> uh also yeah not in an unrated cut it's just you know theatrical version has yeah, the, of this absurd scene so the, the, the woman's pushing his ass from behind and, <laughs> and everyone's groaning and then you know kind of like <laughs> She tells him to finish up, and you know he's looking at everyone. They kind of look a lot more terrifying for some reason at the end of it all. It's like that <laughs> that post not clarity, I guess, hit him. So, <laughs> yeah, she, she goes. She's like, I can feel the baby. I'm not a doctor, but I don't <laughs> think it happens that fast. <laughs> I think I think at that point, Christian is you know he's fully checked out. I think at the, he's he's done after that. Well, he's running. He's just running around the commune naked. So that that'll, that'll segue me into the scene. So the ending of this movie just. Talk about a slow burn. I'm mean, not necessarily a slow burn, but all the crazy shit happens in the last 20 minutes of this movie. This is, I have like a, a mile long paragraph of just every event that happens here. And we see Danny, she's now the May queen and he sees Christian having sex with Maya as you know, just to get her pregnant and he's running around the commune naked. And he, as he's running, he sees Josh's foot coming out of the ground. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? And then we see, uh, we see Connie, it looked like she was drowned. Yep. And she's just, she's on a wheelbarrow. Um, Simon, who I, I read this, this is called a blood eagle, the way he died. And this is where they apparently sever your ribs from your body and then your lungs and they make it look like wings. And I don't know if you guys noticed, it looked like his lungs were still breathing when they just have him like strapped up. So that looked especially freaky. And he's got the flowers in his eyes and he gets he gets drugged right after that. Um, and just the lady telling him, like, you can't speak or move. Okay. And she's like so <laughs> happy to, to tell him this. And, you know, yeah, and this is where it's revealed at the festival that nine people are to be sacrificed, four outsiders, four of their own. And the guy says, you know, pay, thank you, Pele, for your contributions. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, I did my job. It was like my job to be friends with these idiots for all this time just so we, we could sacrifice them. Um, and they tell the May Queen, we got this random guy. They had like a lottery. We choose this random dude, or you could pick Christian. They don't 
show her actually say Christian, but we know when they put him in the bear costume, put him in the, uh, in the, the tent there. Uh, I like that the, the, the two from the commune who volunteer to get sacrificed, the guy's like, this drug will, you won't feel any pain. And then as soon as the fire hits them, they, they just, they start screaming. So it was just some pretty shitty drugs. Well, that being said, I think, I think that's another, like possibly just the drugs didn't work or do in the end, do the, just like the cult just turn on you and they don't really care about that. You know what I mean? Like, like we got you in. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they, are they really, you know, do they buy by the cult rules and do they care about you in the end? Yeah. And then the final shot, just the tent burning. They're all there. We hear the screams and people are mimicking the screams again. And then the last shot is just the, the, the money shot. It's, it's Danny just going from sad to smiling. And this is the subject of several memes. Uh, one, one of the ones I saw, it was like when the staff sings happy birthday to me at the Mexican restaurant. And it's, <laughs> it's Danny smiling with, with all the flowers on her. Just there's, there's a million memes of Danny as the May queen. And from that final shot, just a banger of, maybe all time i might stack this last 20 minutes of this movie up with with any 20 minutes uh troy what'd you think of the ending uh it's it's actually it's like super similar to i guess uh how hereditary ends too yeah where it's kind of like you know stuff is fucked up you know things are wrong but it's the full revelation of everyone's plans and how things are all really you know much worse than you may have thought and uh you get this just like really big ending and uh yeah just seeing everybody meet their end finally and uh christian in the bear suit is just another his eyes are just wide open because he he knows what's happening yeah but uh he's just got to kind of sit there and take it and uh danny made that choice to put him in there but it's uh yeah it's fantastic and and like you said it's it's she's finally accepted into her new community she's happy she's rid of everything that was bad and it's uh it's it's it comes full circle did we hear screams coming from the bear costume I don't think so. I think I think the only screams you I don't I think he just has to he's probably in pain, but I don't think he's able to scream, which is almost I don't know that might be worse. Might be a million times worse. Yeah, <laughs> Gus, what you think of the ending? I mean, I really liked it. Uh, I after all, I think this is a breakup movie kind of disguised as a horror movie. So I mean, <laughs> what better way was that kind of you know I'm over you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Go burn. You know I, mean? I mean, I think it summed it up perfectly. Um, it was just I, I talked about character development earlier in this, and it's hard to get like character development in a horror movie, but I think Ari Aster does it very well in this. And I mean, that's just like the pinnacle of the movie right there. I think you couldn't have done a better ending. I mean, what you know what I mean, like, yeah, it's really good. Another note is like I, he supposedly it was pitched to him as like a, a like a slasher movie. It's like I can't imagine this movie being good as a slasher. Like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love it the way it is. Yeah, yeah. It's more like the violence and the horror services the story instead of it being kind of like the other way around. Yeah, exactly. All right, yeah. So great scenes. Love this movie. According to the internet, uh, I got a few of these here. When this film was screened in Sweden for the first time, many people laughed. They thought the pe- Swedish people thought thought it was a black comedy. So. It, <laughs> I guess maybe they're used to this stuff. So that was, that was kind of a good one. Uh, Troy, you'd mentioned the, the director's cut, which is the original version of this film, which was had an NC 17 rating. Yep. Uh, they had to cut 30 minutes of, of the film, which apparently had like uh, more in-depth violence and that got it to a rated R. I've never seen the director's cut. I know you have Troy. Is there anything 
uh, significantly different? Uh, from what I recall, there's not a ton. I think there's a bit more of Danny and Christian interacting, but nothing that really, I think, sets it over the top. It's like it's just him gaslighting a whole lot. Okay. Uh, there is one, I think, ritual that they show Danny where they kind of set it up like they're going to drown a young boy. Um, so it's it's another kind of like shocking scene. I think this is after the two people jump off the cliff. So she's expecting to see this little kid get drowned. And then at the last minute, he gets saved. And it's all about bravery and all that for the children. Okay. So it kind of like it throws you for a loop as to like how bad are they actually going to be. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think no, there's not really much that's noticeably different. It's worth watching because it's just, you know, in my mind, it's it doesn't make it any worse or anything. But uh, yeah, nothing that like I don't think there's like, oh, that's the definitive way to watch it. So. Well, my fourth viewing will definitely be the, the director's yes. cut then. <laughs> Gus, did you have anything from the internet? Um, yeah, I just had the budget, um, $8 million. You know, Hollywood average is around like 70 to $90 million. I, th- I think I think this is a re- really well done movie for $8 million bucks. to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, it's on par for like an A24 movie, $8 million, right? But right. Like, yeah, I think it, it doesn't seem like it's low budget. Even though it probably would have worked low budget, to be honest with you, yeah, uh, it, it was just it was done well. Um, yeah, uh, and we mentioned when we talked about Florence Pugh, this she wasn't like a, a huge household name yet, so you could probably get get her on a low budget and in yeah. 2019, where now it would probably be a little more expensive. They probably got her mon- their money's worth, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Troy, you had mentioned the uh, the I, one of you guys I, offline mentioned the, the period blood. And yes. <laughs> so uh, Ari Aster had done a lot of research on some of the rituals that some, some of these festivals do. And he said some of them he made up for, you know, for shock value in the movie, but some of them he researched were, were real. And those were the pubes in the cake and the, the, the period blood that they drink. Uh, this was a quote he said in an interview. So there are certain things in the film that are pure invention and there's certain things that are absolutely pulled from reality. The pubic hair in the food and the menstrual blood in the drink, for instance, is tied to my actual research. Like, okay, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, gonna, I'm not in a, a rush for any, uh, any meals in Swedish restaurants. I just see Ari like in a library somewhere with like dusty, like uh, Swedish pagan book. <laughs> he's like, like, uh, uh, he's yeah. like Morgan Freeman in Seven. Just yeah. <laughs> Going through old newspaper articles from the what 1400s. I heard he just. I, th- I thought he did all, did all this research in IKEA, you know, and just <laughs> you know, there's a, there a surprising lack of meatballs in the movie. <laughs> I got two more. Uh, Troy, did you have anything from the internet? Uh, no, not really. I mean, other than I guess like stuff we've talked about, and I guess the only other thing that I had read that I thought was interesting was. I guess the amount of pressure that Ari Aster was under to, to complete the film. Yeah. I think he said that towards the end, he spent a lot of time just crying uh, and just kind of worried that they weren't going to get it done. And I think with that $8 million budget, I'm sure you're under some uh, sure. time constraints for your second movie. So, but it, it seems like they got it all done and there wasn't really much sacrifice, which is, which is nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jack Rayner, he lobbied for the full frontal nudity. Uh, this this wasn't in the script and he lobbied for it as a way to because he had said his character was kind of like an alpha male type and he just wanted to be reduced to essentially the ultimate embarrassment. And he does look fairly humiliated. He's running around holding his dick and just <laughs> like the remains of his friends before he, he gets his at the end. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty humiliating. Yeah, all you're missing at the end, I think, is the Benny Hill music, you know. 
of him yeah. running around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good touch and, you know, good, uh, good uh, instincts by him. Uh, one, just a small one here. Uh, Ariana Grande tried and failed to buy the, the May Queen outfit used in the movie. And she, uh, she had a birthday party that was midsummer themed instead so i don't know what she tried to pay for this outfit i don't know what to go for i would imagine it's not cheap to, to get an actual artifact that would be the that would probably be i don't know maybe either josh's foot or you know maybe one of those pube cakes or, <laughs> or so, if you're getting souvenirs that was the dessert at her uh, her midsummer birthday party yeah. <laughs> all right so good stuff on the internet there okay trivia uh we're gonna play another game of four real movies one fake one all right, so full horror edition here. So I got five movies. These are from some light research I did on full horror films. Four of these are real. One of them is fake. So Troy, you can get first crack and then go, oh, go second. All of these are real except one. All right, so The Ritual is a 2017 Netflix film, or is it, about a group of friends who go hiking in Sweden and they find a menacing presence stalking them one by one and killing them. Apostle, which is from 2018, it stars Dan Stevens and Michael Sheen. It's about a man trying to save his sister from a religious, a religious cult. The Blood on Satan's Claw. This is from 1971. It's set in 17th century England. It's about a group of children who become Satanists. At the behest of their parents. Kill List. From 2011. This is a film about two hitmen. Who take on an assignment to kill three men. And become victims. Of a deranged cult. So a lot of these are cult based. And then the last one here. Maslenica. This is a 2002 drama. About a Slavic cult. Led by Tim Roth. Terrorizing a group of Japanese tourists. So one of those is fake. Troy, what do you think of this? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Maslanitsa with Tim Roth. That's okay. going to be my that's gonna be my guess. All right. Gus? Yeah. I, you know what? I'm just going to be different here and say Satan's Claw. But I think you are <laughs> a Tim Roth fan, so I wouldn't put it past you to make a fake Tim Roth. <laughs> uh, you do know me well, Gus. Uh, yeah, Maslanitsa was, was one. <laughs> I Before we... we when doing my notes, I was like European festivals and I, I, I got a list and Maslanitsa was one of them. <laughs> and that was, that was my working title for my movie. As always movie studios, my DMS are open. If you are interested <laughs> in any of my ideas. Okay. Awards time. Sixth man of the movie. I just like to clarify what this is. Sixth man in a basketball game is someone who's not the star of the team, but comes off the bench and has uh, a significant impact on the team, or in this case, a significant impact on the movie. There was a lot to choose from. We did talk about the supporting cast. There is a lot of, a lot of people not really in contention for MVP, but a lot of people played small roles in the movie and had a big impact. Um, you could have went Will Poulter. Yeah. You could have went the, the actors who played Connie and Simon, but ultimately I went with uh, Wilhelm Blomgren and Gus, you mentioned him earlier as Pele. I just, I thought the character was really well done. Um, there's a version of this character that might be evil and I guess he is evil, but at the end of this movie, and I think it's a credit to the performance of the actor. I, I didn't leave this movie hating him at all. I was just like, okay, yeah, he's just kind of serving his family here and 
even though he, he's serving up his friends to get sacrificed. I did not leave this movie hating him like like I hated Christian, for instance. Um, he was fine to me. So for my sixth man of the movie, I went with uh, Wilhelm Blumgren as Pele. Troy, how about you? Honestly, yeah, when I was going through this, uh, I picked the same because he's kind of just like that. He's a super likable bad guy because he really is probably the, the the villain of the film if you had to pick one because yeah. he is who gets everybody like all the characters that you know and even though the you know the main characters aren't necessarily super likable maybe outside of danny um you know they're just like normal people and they're brought to this place by pele so that is that's who i'd pick because he's and he does it really well like you said you don't hate him you know normally i think if you described what he did in this film you, you'd think that this guy is super evil and that you wouldn't like him but he's by the end of the movie, he's happy and he's with Danny. It's kind of just he's he's kind of a good guy somehow. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd pick him for sure. He even kisses Danny when she becomes the May Queen. He's like genuinely yeah. happy for her. It's like yeah, in any other like romance movie, it's like oh, she got the guy. You know, it's he's the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta check. Up. I gotta check YouTube. I'm sure there's like there's a version of there's a trailer where Mids- Midsummer is a rom com. Yeah, it, it's definitely on the internet already. I gotta find it. Uh, Gus, how about you? Honestly, I wrote down the same. Pele, so uh, okay, so we're in sync. But I do have to note that there is, as you mentioned before, there's a multitude of secondary characters that all I think kind of hit it out of the ballpark, or just in fact just do their part in the in the <laughs> in regards to like someone like Mark who plays the guy, yes. you know, that vapes, who's the typical American um, dude. You know what I mean? And he just serves as the comic relief. But even if it's a kind of a silly comic relief role i mean he he does it well i agree so we're all we're all in sync there um so that'll be i'll 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 figure out something to do for an instagram poll for that one um mvp of the movie this is one of the easier ones i've i've had i didn't really have to think too hard of this uh florence Pugh uh, as danny it was just magnetic performance i just blown away by her for lack of a better adjective um she was just phenomenal from start to finish and troy you mentioned her character development it was just it was great and this was uh, one of the biggest stars in the world, and this is my favorite movie with her in it. So, it really, there was nothing to think about here. I went Florence Pugh. I don't know if either of you guys went different, but Troy, you're nodding your head up. I'm guessing no. <laughs> nope, I would pick the same. I think it's it's pretty clear that she's supposed to be the MVP okay. and the, the the one person you're kind of rooting for the whole way through. So, yeah, yeah, just. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make the uh, obligatory uh, sports reference. It's like if someone scores five touchdowns in a game and then, like, the interview comes over to him after, like, who's going to get the game ball? It's just like. <laughs> Why are you asking? Yeah, come on. Like, <laughs> she blows out of the park. The movie is about her, about her character. Um, she does it well. Uh, she kills it. Yeah, yeah. Can't. Nothing to argue about there. Okay, uh, Troy, what's something good you watched this week? Uh, this week, so I've actually, I mean, recently, just because it's Halloween, or close to Halloween, I've been just going through a lot of horror movies. Um, so it's funny, because the, the movies that you asked, you know, which ones were real and fake, I did rewatch Apostle uh, with Dan Stevens, which I had seen before, but okay. uh, <laughs> I think that was another one that I think on rewatch was kind of nice, because it made a little bit more sense this time through. Cause I remember the first time being, I did not expect it to be as, I guess, absurd as it was. Um, that was good. Uh, I also rewatched the descent, which I think is a fucking awesome horror film with a, you know, I, there's not a ton of, I think movies with like just an all film female cast that kind of just nail it. And I think that's one of them. Uh, and then outside of that, 
the only other one I rewatched was The Town That Dreaded Sundown. I think it was like the 2014 or so sequel. Okay. To the old the uh, 70s film, but um that what one is this? I've never heard of it. Oh, it's so I think the the, the original came out in the 70s and it's about I guess these murders that happened uh in the like, 1940s I think they're you know they were real and uh so this is a, a sequel to it that I think it the way it kind of references the first film is as if the fir- the film existed in the universe of this one uh-huh. uh so it's it's pretty interesting how they how they uh, approach it but it's uh it's got some really great actors I, I forget the the main the main girl's name but uh yeah, it's good. I would recommend it. I think it's from 2014. I think it's okay. super underrated. I don't really see it get referenced a whole lot. So All right, I think I'll it's, uh, it's very good. I have to look more into that. I'll see if it's streaming anywhere. Gus, what's something good you watched this week? Uh, yeah, recently um, I went out of my way. I'm a big Alex Garland fan, so I saw Men. Oh, yeah. um, okay. I'm not one to actually go on the, the, the TV and buy. It's either like theater or free streaming, but I went out of my way. So I'm an Alex Garland fan. It was good. I mean, I think I think it was. I was. I don't want to say disappointed, but I thought it was going to be better. But it's definitely in a very weird A twenty four movie. And when we talk about like kind of elevated horror, um, I think it also has a lot of symbolism and a lot going on it. And I'm sure when I get a rewatch, I'm sure I'm gonna catch some things I missed. So, um, yeah, Alex Garland did twenty. He wrote Twenty Days Later. Um, did um, Ex Machina directed Ex Machina? I mean, a directorial debut. Ex Machina is like. Yeah, praise that. <laughs> Love me some Alex Garland. So check that out if you want a creepy little, uh, interesting, um, different horror movie. I saw that too, and I feel like just like Midsummer or Midsummer, sorry, like Midsummer um, would benefit from a rewatch. I, I saw it. Yeah, like Ex, Ex Machina is an elite movie, and this this was I thought it was, it was good, not not great. I think we're kind of in sync there. Troy, did you see Men? I haven't yet, and I've been meaning to because I do like Alex Garland's other films a lot. Like Annihilation is still one of my favorites, but uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. I probably will soon. Anything with Jesse Buckley, she's one of one of the best actors right now. I I'm in for anything she does. All right, so I'll go. Uh, I'll go t- since we're sticking with this horror theme here. I'll go two movies and a show. Uh, recent uh, new movie. I, I saw Halloween Ends over the weekend. And this is uh, this has got the internet ablaze with uh, the the mixed takes. Some people some people saying it's the greatest movie ever. Some people saying it's the biggest piece of shit they've ever seen in their lives. I'm <laughs> most in my moderate demeanor. I it was fine. It was there. I'm not going to spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. Was either either of you guys seen it yet? Not yet. No. Okay, so th- I'll just say as vaguely as possible, they tried something different and. I respect the attempt, but it didn't necessarily land. Um, you'll know what I'm talking about more when you see the movie. It it was good. It was a good way to end the David Gordon Green trilogy. I would say this definitely the ti- the title is misleading. Not Halloween ends <laughs> because not because of this trilogy, but five six years from now we're we're probably gonna get another Halloween movie because like we talked about when we talked about the state of the horror genre these movies make money and studios like to make things that make money so make another Halloween movie people are gonna show up Um, so I'll leave that as it is classic watched last night for the first time I saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre 
had oh, never awesome. seen it before. I've seen the 03 with Jessica Biel, the prequel that followed. I actually saw the, I think it was 95 version with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, which was even when I saw that, I was like 15 years old and I was like, this is horseshit. <laughs> um, so I've seen, somehow I've seen three of these movies, but I'd never seen the original. And this was really ahead of its time. Like the violence in it, it was, it was a slasher movie um, for the 70s. It was very violent. I'm, I'm kind of wondering how this got made. We could watch this today, and I'd be, I'd be saying, this is, this is a pretty violent movie. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't have much of a relationship with this franchise, other than seeing the movies and saying, you know, they're good. I don't love them like I'd say I love Halloween, but th- it was good. I, I really enjoyed this. I, I respected it for, for being ahead of its time, and it, it was enjoyable. Uh, you, Troy, I'm assuming you've seen this, right? Yeah, I've seen. It. I I've only I think I've only seen the original one. I haven't seen. I don't think any of the other versions. I know that there was the one that came out. I guess a year or two ago. Oh, it was. From what I heard, that was bad. So I've, bad. Yeah, I've, I've heard it was. Yeah, I've heard it was awful. I mean, there's like, there's scenes where, yeah, they said like you're canceled to him. And yep. It's like I, that's yeah, the I'm one good. scene I saw on YouTube, and it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, so I, I I was out on that one, but uh, no, I think like Leatherface as like a, a character. Is up there with Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees and all sure. those. You know, he's, he's just a classic like monster. Uh, Gus, have you seen the first Texas Chainsaw? Yeah, um, I mean, I I like all the even the bad ones. I mean, that's a movie you can make bad, and I still think is enjoyable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, at TV, I watched the. I know this is based on a movie, but I've never seen the movie. Uh, the show Let the Right One In. This premiered on on Showtime this week banger of a pilot i'm i'm in on this show um it's it's about a, a man his do- daughter is 12 years old she's a vampire we don't have any info on how she became a vampire yet i'm, I'm guessing if you've seen the movie i don't know if the movie is directly based on the show i i, I know very little about the movie other than it exists the movie and, is awesome the movie is super okay. good and the another one i have to throw on the list the American one is it's is also really good. So both, I, I, it's almost shot for shot the the remake, but the original okay. one I would say is superior. All right, so the show is very good. I, I having very little knowledge about the film. Uh, the show is really good. It follows this guy and he's killing people in the city to essentially keep his daughter alive. And on the other on the other side of town, there's a a, a doctor whose son is also a vampire who's trying to look for a cure. And he winds up like inadvertently burning his son to a crisp but he's still alive so there's like this vampire who's just like ashes basically and i'm imagining these stories are going to come together at one point i'm in this is i think the first season's 10 episodes and the first two have aired i watched the first one so far yeah this this is a show i'm definitely going to get down on i i enjoyed it a lot all right so good rex all around troy where can we follow you at I'm on Instagram uh, at Ender's Troy E N D O R S underscore T R O I. I gotta find another. I'm, I, I do some drawings of movies I like every so often, so I'm trying to think of what my next one will be. So they're all probably, good. Yeah, it'll probably be something spooky. Uh, I, I'm in the, the mood for that type of stuff right now, so we'll see. Look forward to seeing it, Gus. Uh, you can check me out at. You could check out Calling Old Coffee if you like coffee. Checking out all coffee shops in my area and around the world. Excellent. And I am on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at DDEM2000. We have an Instagram and Twitter for this show. It's at Was It That Bad Pod. Give us a follow there. We post polls, quizzes, show updates, and other stuff on there. 
And if you like this movie, you want to talk about it with the three of us or any other great people, join the movie and television talk Facebook group. Just you can find that by typing that into a group search. We are the red cover photo. We are 75% of the way done with spooky season. We got one left next week where we are cut. We're finishing up October. We're covering the shining. And then in two weeks, we're going to shift gears a little bit, go into some teen comedies. We're going to cover American pie. So we, those are our next two we have coming up. Uh, what any, a trans- you guys have any thoughts on the shining or American pie? What a transition, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Smooth as sandpaper. <laughs> so. I mean, it's two, it's two masterpieces back to back. So, all right. Yeah. Look, look forward to both of those. Uh, Troy, Gus, thanks so much for joining me tonight. This is great talking with both of you. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. And thank you everybody for listening. We will catch you all next time. Night. Night.